Eyes as Black as Night by Bloody Chimera. The sound of another knock at our door woke me from my short nap. The clock read 8.17. Still another hour before they would all go home. I stood up and stretched, and then another knock came at our door. Are you gonna get that? My wife groaned from across the room. Yes, yes. I started to walk, but the pins and needles in my right leg almost stopped me. I opened the door to see it standing there, unblinking. Trick or treat. This one was wearing a scream mask and was covered in black clothes. I dropped two chocolate bars into his large, pumpkin-shaped basket. He said thanks and walked away. I closed the door and sat back down on the couch hoping to maybe get some more shut-eye. Then came yet another knock. I got up quickly, grabbed two more bars of chocolate from our bucket, and headed to the door. There were two of them this time. Two girls, one dressed as a princess, and the other as a fairy. Typical for girls their age. I dropped one chocolate bar into each basket, and they were about to say thank you, but I closed the door. I'll have more time to relax. Too bad if they think I'm rude. I began to relax again, but instead of napping, I thought about the day when Ann and I would have a kid. We would have to send him up to some random stranger's front door. Then they would give him candy, and I would... Then I heard another knock. I was too relaxed to even care this time. Let's convince them we're not home, maybe they'll just go away. Then they knocked again. I heard Anne groan loudly and get up as she started for the door. Honey, I can... She stopped me mid-sentence with a simple shut up and continued walking. I heard the door open and the sound of candies dropping into baskets, then talking. This one was a little girl. And after a few seconds, I heard Anne say, Aw, poor baby. The girl clearly said, Can I come in? My wife responded with, Sure, I think we have a few bandages. I sat up, and the children, there was a boy following the girl, had come in as far as our boot rack. The girl had a green witch mask on, and the boy had a zombie mask. They had no costume except for the masks, just plain clothes. My wife returned with the bandages, and the girl held her wrist out, and wrapped a bandage around the girl's small cut. The girl proceeded to slip off her mask and glare at me. Nice contacts, was all I managed to say. Her eyes were black as night, and her skin was oddly pale white. She just grinned at me and I realized something was off. Very off. Honey, can I talk to you quickly in private? She gave me an odd look, but still said sure. We walked into the kitchen and stood in front of the oven where they could not hear us. Something's not right here. I decided to say what first came to mind. What? Now she looked at me even more oddly. No response came to my mind. She just said, You say that every time Dolores gives me cookies or a loaf of bread. Stop being so paranoid. She walked off, and then I heard her gasp. I walked out slowly only to see two masks and two buckets in the place of the two children. The buckets only had two pieces of candy each, the candy we gave them. Strange, I didn't even hear them leave. Maybe they didn't leave. She only gave me that look again. 
Maybe they're in here somewhere, planning to steal something. Yeah, right. We don't even have anything worth... We both stopped and heard it. A scratching sound in the back bedroom. We looked at each other and began to walk down the hallway. Even though I knew they were just children, I had an odd feeling about them. Probably her eyes. As we neared the doorway to the bedroom, a loud growling sound came from inside the doorway. It was like a dog's growl, only deeper. Honey, did you hear that? Silence. Honey? I said as I turned around. I was alone. In the place of my wife was only darkness. A chill ran down my spine, but I continued walking. I mustered up as much courage as I could, jumped inside, and turned on the light. The boy was there. He was clawing at a spot in the middle of the room as if he was looking for something. He looked up and smiled. His mouth was full of sharp pointed teeth. His eyes were black as the girl's. I began to back up. What the f- Honey? A familiar voice came from behind me. I turned around and Anne was standing there. She grabbed the sides of my face and stared into my eyes. It'll all be over soon, she said sweetly as my face began to feel odd. Then I noticed something about her eyes. They were as black as night, too. Slowly, everything began to fade away into nothing. The police came to Daniel and Anne's house at 1.08 a.m. that night, after their neighbor Dolores Bridge heard screaming coming from within the house. All that was found that was deemed suspicious were the masks, baskets, and a hole in the middle of the bedroom floor, which contained the skeletons of two small children at the bottom of it, and one silver cross. The skeletons were found in a position that suggested they were killed in some sort of ritual. After some research, police found that the neighbor Dolores had two children, and that they had gone missing 17 years ago. trick-or-treat, credited to Violent Harvest, and added by Cruz. Don't bother trying to find it. You won't find anything about the name of the town or what happened here. This manuscript will be found long after the events that transpired in this place, but I hope against everything else that you're someone in the position of power. I pray to God himself that you can prevent this from ever happening again, but I don't want to give you too much credit. Like me, you are only human. After all, they are not. They've been around for a very, very long time. Fat chance, really. You probably don't want that responsibility, and even if you did take it upon your shoulders to track them down, you can't single-handedly stop the children. Their manipulators are not on the grid, Whoever engineered this is in control of the world on a very disturbing level. So this is what I want you to do. Read these pages, if they're still legible, and take what you will from them. Don't go on a wild goose chase and realize that when you find this book, that it will not be in the place where I left it. They'll move it somewhere else to deceive you. I've left my mark on a tree there. Only then, when you see my name, will you know this is the place. 
You may have even heard of it in history books, but rest assured, any rumors on Wikipedia or Google pages that you pull up will be guesswork at best. None of them are even close to the truth. When you find the place, there may already be another town just like it. That's what I'm trying to stop. If we're not successful, then just realize above all things that evil exists. And I'm not talking about bad people or tragic accidents. I'm talking real, intelligent, ancient evil. It is calculated. And it is always one step ahead of you. Should you decide to take my place and become the paragon to prevent the corruption of the hearts and minds of children, well, I thank you in advance. I told you that I'm human. I lied. I used to be, before All Hallows' Eve on that fateful night. I've been alive since then, far longer than any human being, and the reason is because I love children. I've always loved them in their purity and their innocence. That's why I was taken in by their ruse. That's why I've finally decided to put all this down, centuries later. I won't be here much longer, and someone has to take up this burden. I've waited, until I saw them return. They will be back this year. They're planning the same thing again, and I can't stop them. Again, I can't expect that much from you, but I'm only giving you all this so you'll believe me. I have to be believable. If you think I'm crazy, you'll throw this in the garbage bin and more people will disappear. It's time to tell you what happened, though. I'm rambling. Back then, All Hallows' Eve was the time for evil's ascension. You've all forgotten. If you left your house on that night in the old country, you were a devil worshipper. Halloween was not the term we used. We fled to the shores of this country because we were persecuted for our lifestyle choices. We worshipped nature, the changing of the seasons, the solstice of spring, autumn, winter, and summer. In the purest sense of the word, we were druids. Our names and accents were English, but we were servants of the earth. We were some of the first to celebrate it as a holiday. The natives here were puzzled by our behavior, but also frightened by it. So they left us alone. They misunderstood. We were not the ones to be afraid of. At the time, I was relieved. They had attacked us in our settlements time and time again, but as it drew closer to the end of October, they stayed away. Maybe in their own noble bonds with the earth and soil, they knew something terrible was on the horizon they were right. John Hunter's little boy wanted to be a native, with a bow and arrow and a real headdress. Little Mary Taylor made a dress that was crafted after the local schoolhouse teacher's prettiest outfit. She idolized her educator, of course. They all had their get-ups. They were the first trick-or-treaters in what was to become the United States of America, 150 years later. We sent them out to frolic about the settlement, collecting apples and tarts and other sweet things into their burlap goodie bags. There were no Snickers or Milky Ways yet, and the magic of this holiday held no less sway over them than it does the youth of current time. They dress up as the Joker, Power Rangers, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Well, these children were their predecessors. I sent my daughter with Mary and John Hunter Jr. Despite our mistrust and wariness of the Anglican Church and the Monarchs, that presided over it. My little girl was dressed as the Queen of England. 
I refused to crush her fantasy world, and so I simply indulged her. We heard promises to return after sundown, to say yes ma'am and no sir, and not to linger too long if they were invited inside the households of our community. We didn't realize that the house on the edge of the settlement existed until we saw the children go inside. There were no lanterns or sources of light in the windows, no fire or harvest dolls on the outside of the dwelling. As we sat in the middle of the town hall, imbibing in the pleasures of distilled moonshine, none of you will ever make it as potent as we did in those days, amongst our brethren, we watched our young ones gravitate across the middle of our town to the foreboding households that had seemingly been constructed overnight. When we gazed upon it, it seemed as though the place was shimmering. It pained my vision to look upon the building as if my senses were being forced and propelled in another direction. Such a thing is difficult to put into words, but I seemed to be the only one who realized that our kids were all heading into the same place. When I questioned John Hunter as if something was odd about their actions, he stared at me as if I was insane. What do you mean? he asked. There's no house there. They're going to play by the stockades. The sun had set by this point, but as I said before, none of them were concerned. The natives hadn't shown up for weeks. I decided to walk to the phantom dwelling that only I and the children could see to peer inside and see who these new settlers were and why it called to the youth as if it was a, a black hole in a sea of stars. I tried to stand outside to look through the window, but when I saw what was happening, it was too late. I breached the doorway with my buck knife drawn, but there was nothing about the things inside that I could harm with a weapon. There's something deep inside of us, something embedded within the human spirit that's perfectly aware when we encounter something truly terrible. Fear, horror, evil, revulsion, it all hits you in spastic waves, like a fierce, exploding bullet that shatters the innermost parts of your soul with a relentless and powerful fury. I saw it in that moment, standing in that darkened doorway. They weren't people, and they weren't spirits. They were halfway there, lingering over the unconscious bodies of my daughter and her peers in their hooded black robes of half-existence. There was one in particular who made me feel as though my eyes would pop like ripened cherries when I stared at it. It was the leader, the source of that tug, that pull, and it was slowly fading, disappearing like a gaseous black cloud of death through my little girl's nostrils and mouth. She was gasping for air, as if every breath after the one that preceded it was filled with acid, as if she were hungry for real, fresh air in her small lungs. With every breath, the figure faded deeper into her, along with the rest of them. I wish that I could say I was a hero, and that I hacked them all to bits. I wish I could say that I saved the day and made Halloween a night when the worst thing that children have to worry about is poisoned candy, but it didn't happen. There was one of them left, floating toward me on elongated, blackened tendrils of shimmering nothingness. By all real means of my imagination, it shouldn't have been there, but it was. And soon it was going inside of me. The last thing I saw were their little feet scurrying out of the phantom house and into the town. I felt that something terrible was about to happen. I had no idea. 
Everything went black, and then I was outside of myself. I was conscious, but observing my feet, my hands, doing things beyond my own scope of physical control. They led me and our children into our meeting hall, where, of course, the kids were embraced by the open, loving arms of their parents. I witnessed the betrayal, the brutal moments in which the truth instilled by the love for family and offspring would transform into a cause for the destruction of our village. They absorbed them. There's no better adjective for what happened. One moment they were there, and seconds later, they were nothing but dark essence, filtering in through the eyes and nose and mouths of their devil children. It was over in minutes. A night that should have been a celebration of nature, of the seasons, had turned into the end of everything that we knew and loved here in our new land. I started to fight it. The kids knew. The moment I began to resist to try to reclaim my limbs and mind from the corrupting influence within, their heads snapped back from their feast of soul to survey me in my struggle. My daughter's eyes were sunken, black pools of the abyss devoid of any emotions, any semblance of the bright-eyed stares that she once held for me in all her love and adoration for her father. I missed that the most, really. The way she'd run to me when I came in from the fields every evening as the sun went down. I lived for that. What reason do I have to live now, other than to find her and stop them? I'm incapable. That falls on you, my friend. They took the part of my daughter that counts, the part that I loved and cherished, and turned her into a servant. You ask me why I'm still alive, and again, it's because I love her so very, very much. Her body is a hollow shell, filled with the malefice and blackness of evil beyond our world. The black-robed things have grown as centuries have passed. They're from some place that is not of this world, but their urgency, their hunger to devour and destroy is insatiable. It's an exponential, amplifying contagion on mankind, and all Hollow's Eve is their pinnacle, their Christmas. I've done my best to warn you throughout history, to leave my mark in places where their desolation has left nothing but dust on the wind and empty houses. A deserted football field in Texas ghost towns. A card room in the back of a nightclub in Chicago, right under the nose of civilization. Roanoke Island, North Carolina, before John Rolfe founded in the aftermath. The thing that I expelled through sheer force of will alone has left me with an unusually long and empty life. Devoid of anything but my desire for revenge. But I have failed. I'm pleading with you. October 31st is not long away. My little girl, or what's left of her, is going to lead them to the same place. It's been refounded, except now it hums with sport utility vehicles and cell phones. I just don't want this to happen to your children. Go to Roanoke and stop them from repeating the ritual. Those bodies they inhabit now are frail on their way out. It's been almost 500 years. They'll need new ones on this Halloween. Look for a building that appears as though it shouldn't be there. It will be across from that very tree where I signed my name, where I made my mark. I changed my title, named myself after the tribe of natives who knew it was coming, who perhaps tried to warn us, but for some reason we failed to heed or recognize their warnings. They were more closely attuned to the earth than us, and yet, 
and they were still wiped out. Eventually. Trick or treat. Go now. You don't have much time. So that, my friends, was two short stories involving black-eyed children and Halloween, surprisingly. Um, not often you get two topics in one, is it? <laughs> I hope you all enjoyed this little collection a couple days out from Halloween. I'm trying to get caught up, trying to make sure I'm ahead for HorrorCon, which starts, oh geez, tomorrow. Um, I will be there as much as I can be on, at my booth, most likely. So hopefully you guys are there. Uh, yeah. If you guys did enjoy this and would like more content like this, please do consider joining the Nevermore. All you gotta do is hit that subscribe button and the bell icon next to it. That makes you part of the Nevermore. You can also support the Nevermore by following me on any of my social media, visiting my website, or supporting the channel through Patreon or Coffee. All of it optional and all of it really appreciated, so consider doing any of those. Just saying. All that said, I really do hope you enjoyed this, and I really do hope I will see you on the next video. But until then, my friends, please... Sleep well.